Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Grab a slice of the epic podcast. Don't stick it in your mouth. Put it in your ear holes now. Ladies and gentlemen, Nelson Lugo and Schaefer the Dark Lord. now that in the early years of the 21st century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Yet across an immense and ethereal gulf, minds that to our minds, as ours are to the beasts in the jungle, intellects, vast, cool, and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the fourteenth year of the twenty-first century came the great disillusionment. It was near the end of April, April twenty-fourth, the Crosley Service estimated that nearly nine people were listening in on laptops. The next 24 hours, not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Nova Scotia, bringing a forecast of rain, accompanied by winds of light gale force. Maximum temperature 66, minimum 48. This weather report comes to you from the Government Weather Bureau. We take you now to Studio 6C in Astoria, Queens, in New York City. You will be entertained by the Epic Piecast. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, ladies and lady gentlemen, coming to you live from the beautiful and spacious Studio 6C in Astoria, Queens, this is the Epic Piecast, episode 20. I am your host, Nelson Lugo. And I am your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. (laughs) 
And I am your other, other host, Chuck Stunning. Yay, we got Chuck Stunning to giggle. <laughs> you really, you went ham on that. You just... I What's that? You went you went ham on I, the intro this month. Well, I figured you know what we're we're, we're we've done enough podcasts at this point, uh, where we've laid down the form. Is now time to break some rules and play with the form. I would also like to add, you're drunk. I am Ooh, really drunk. Yeah. Yay. So yeah, not the first time. Thanks, for this podcast. Uh, well, we had dinner before we got here. So delicious, you know delicious dinner. You, you were somewhat responsible for making sure that he. Got drunk enough Sweet to go ham on jumping. the epic pie cast And uh, the bartender lady <laughs> flirted with me. Yes, she did. What? what? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's just awesome. <laughs> I was what gonna... happens when you go off script, Lugo? We just yeah. lose the plot entirely. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing again? I was going to ask you guys some questions yes, go for about it. what you've been up to this month. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm not interviewing you. We're three yeah, co-hosts. Nice. <laughs> yes. I figured before we do anything, we yeah. should talk about the big thing that happened this month. <gasps> yes. A yes. big yes. thing that happened in big, in big, in the thing. world. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, not Wait, all right. I mean, it was international. It was. Yeah. The we're, uh, the the uh, the first uh, uh, the world's first nerdlesque festival um, debuted uh, and landed in New York City with a. Huge bang. Uh, it was a very humbling experience. And I'm very grateful to all of the artists that participated and all of the people that came out to see the shows. And it was a unique experience that I never thought would ever see the light of day. And uh, I'm very, very proud and lucky to have been a part of it. Give me some more information here. Uh, the um, number of shows, Ooh, yeah. number of performers. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. The... Uh, the panel that created the team, the the team that product, <laughs> yeah. pr- produced the whole thing, and uh, also the furthest distance uh, any performer traveled for the show. Uh, okay, so that's a lot of questions. All right, it was yeah, make them snappy. I'm not really that interested. That's but fine. One, uh, of, our, one was, of our four listeners is yes. Uh, it was a pre-party. It was two main stage shows, and it was a Sunday afternoon burlesque brunch boozy time three shows and hangouts three shows and a bunch of hangouts it was also um during uh, friday and saturday there was also um some classes and some panels and some lectures that people could go to um so it wasn't just a burlesque festival we also tried to make it as much of a a nerdy con as well because you know you could do all kinds of stuff all day long basically um it was uh three venues it was drums it was the um the Marion Room at Webster Hall. It was Le Poison Rouge. It was Beauty Bar. It was all over the city. Uh, it was something like 43, probably closer to 50, 50 performers uh, in total from all across the country, all over the world. The farthest distance traveled um, is uh, Petra Dish. Uh, all the way from Melbourne, mm. Australia. She wow. was so rad. Um, and she and way. she did one of my top five favorite acts mm-hmm. of the entire weekend. She did a a uh, science based evolution act. She went from, um, so yeah, she, she went from like two thousand one monkey to like a robot girl to like a robot sex girl. It was amazing. That sounds it, awesome. It was yeah. a quintessential burlesque number it was exactly what burlesque should be because it's all about transforming an evolution and it's literally about evolution so thank you and and on top of everything else she's stunningly beautiful 
super dorky as hell and just a delight to be around. And I was mm-hmm. very, very glad to meet her. Um, what else? Well, you had some other questions. Oh, uh, the, the production team. We had um, uh, Lefty Lucy of uh, the Miss Coney Island fame. Uh, she's the vice president of Miss Coney Island, the program there now. Uh, we had Iris Explosion. Um, we had Anya Keister from D20 Burlesque. We had uh, Danger Doll and Stella Chu from Roar Burlesque. And we had Magdalena Fox. Uh, oh, right. And then we got Sarah Tops to uh, come in and um, at the 11th hour and be our stage manager for the main stage shows. Also an alumni of the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You uh, know, in fact, mm-hmm. she was on the podcast one year ago this month. That's right. Oh, yeah. And she was talking about oh, how she was just getting year. ready to get into doing stage managing and or uh, no, show running. Full, she's full-fledged. For burlesque shows. Burlesque and now, now she uh, came in to save your four-day nerd burlesque save festival. Save it. Hold on now. She- so I um, <laughs> was not involved in any of this, nor was Chuck correct no no you didn't you didn't no i i actively participated in all the shows you were you attended all of the shows i patroned that shit so hard all right <laughs> but neither of us were actually booked no chuck and i actually for the first time in uh, epic podcast history we produced a field report oh no you did it yes we did from the opening <laughs> night of the first ever international nerdless festival. festival oh my goodness all right Lay it on me. Hi, I'm Shay for the Dark Lord. Hi, I'm Charles Stunning. And we're here at the opening night of the first ever Nerdlesque Festival. The International Nerdlesque Festival. Indeed, the International Nerdlesque Festival. What did you think of the show, Chuck? It was incredible. It was really good. We're drunk. I'm wasted. You're fucked. Fuck you, Lugo. Your fest was amazing. And that was the first field report <laughs> in the history of the Epic Podcast. I'd like to thank Charles Stunning, uh, producer of that segment. I uh, uh, I just really want to applaud ourselves on uh, how classy. That <laughs> my my favorite part of our field segment is that Lugo makes a cameo. With yeah, yeah. Even I've heard it. my voice in the yeah. background. It's so magic. Uh, it was it was fun to see you guys in the audience. Um, it was fun to be in the audience. Yeah, yeah. On the first night of the wonderful Nerdlesque Fest, yeah. I was fortunate enough to meet the lovely young woman who was doing the Highlander number, and she oh, yeah. sold me her Highlander sword. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and let's stop for just a second. I want to back up because that didn't happen at the show. We went to the show oh, you're right. together. I didn't go... This happened at the after party. No, this happened at the after party. There was I a performer was... who did yes. a number, who did a Highlander number at yes. the show that we attended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was playing the after party. As she had a sword, team. so she had to ship her sword in yeah. advance. And what happened was we were discussing her act, and I was giving her compliments and praise. And she was, she just looked and she was like, I really don't want to ship that back to me. I have another one back home that I like better. I'll sell it to you. And I went, how much do you want? And... I waited with bated breath in what seemed like an eternity because I knew she was going to say like 75 bucks. I knew it was going to be something ridiculous. She goes, ah, sell it to you for 10 bucks. What? And so 
I walked over to my bandmate and I went, Mark, do you have $10? <laughs> so I took $10 from my bandmate and bought a sword. I owe you $10, Mark Robert Turner. Sorry. Uh, and that, and, and this was at the after party. Yes. It was a different venue and Afterbirth Monkey was playing there. Yes. So you played a show at the after party. Yes. And then you bought a sword. And I bought a sword. I'm living the dream. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 Central Time, Professor Farrell at the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun. End quote. We now return you to the epic pie cast, already in progress. I, I told the guy that, yeah. that he had to take the N train. <laughs> <laughs> he was so Dude. confused. I do that all the time, actually. It was, it was adorable. <laughs> Not gonna lie, he's pretty cute. Oh, so, I hope uh, he got home okay. Oh, well, maybe. Who knows? So, Chuck, what's been new with you uh, in this um, past month? Well, to be honest, I haven't done a lot of art things. Like, my last month was crazy. But this uh, this month, I sort of had to, like, take a backseat because uh, Mama Stunning came to New York City. Oh, that's Whoa. right. Your mom was in town. For a visit. Is this the first time she's visited you in New York? Uh, this is the first time she's visited me since I donned the name Chuck Stunning. Oh. So instead of doing all the touristy things like we we used to so, do, so so is all of that out of the closet now? Like, does oh, she know yeah. your alter ego? Yeah, and... she knows. She's probably gonna listen to this one if I send her the link, and she knows how to click it. <laughs> That's adorable. I know she's real cute. Um, so I'm sorry to get to meet her, but apparently, okay. like a million people met her. Um, it was a giant party, and she met so many of my beautiful, beautiful, wonderful naked friends. Oh, I was so lucky. Yeah, she I loved I got them. to meet her. You got to meet. Yeah, she was at the Kitty Nights. Yeah, and a yeah. ton of people were there. And that's when uh, I think that that's when she really like got a lot of yeah, spotlight. Yeah, she got a yeah. Everybody adored her. And well, also she won the raffle. She did win the raffle. It was what? amazing. Her, her daughter's band killed. Oh, oh did you kill? Yeah, did you? Oh. She sat with Peter Aguero of for course. the show. She loved so much. I was like, Mom, you. What? Oh, and also she's an angel because I w- I went all in on the uh, on the raffle because I wanted to win a copy of Duff McKagan's memoir and I lost and Mama Stunny gave it to me. Oh, yeah, it was really sweet. She was really wonderful and she uh That was see, uh, I wanted to go so bad, but mm-hmm. I just started this new job and I have to I have to wake up at five in the morning every damn morning now. So Did I'm, you have to wake up at five in the morning on Sunday when Kitty Nights was? Uh, no, but I had to wake up on five in the morning on Monday, the night after Kitty Nights. Do you know what my 62-year-old mother had to do? She had to leave my apartment at four in the morning to get to the airport to leave to go back to Indiana on Monday morning. Oh, oh. yeah. That's... I'm pretty think... sure she slept on the plane. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm, I would bet. That's all I'm saying. I want to meet your mommy. That's all I'm saying. Well, we'll bring her back. And Yay! I guess you can meet her or something. Um, but she and I did together on one of the evenings we had off because... I didn't want to do a lot while she was here because I just want to spend time with my mom, you know? Yeah. Um, we watched Thor, The Dark World. 
Oh. And it was stupid. <laughs> yeah? Wait, the experience Wait, of watching it or the movie? On. I did not enjoy it. It was, it was terribly confusing because... And this is the only reason I found it confusing. I had to pull out my phone and text my comic book historian friend. I'd be like, um, so the doctor is acting all weird because he got possessed by Loki. But didn't Hawkeye get possessed by Loki as well? And then, like, somebody just hit him really hard in the face and then he was fucking fine? <laughs> so what happened? What? I don't understand. I guess some Avengers secrets they keep from Thor. Yeah. I guess. It was... I I didn't love it, and I wanted to love it so much, and I got really upset uh-huh. because a, a spoilery thing happened, and I called the spoilery thing, like, right when it happened, before it was a spoilery. I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. And it did, and I was really disappointed that I knew already that it was just like, well, obviously that thing's not real <laughs> blah and it was it bothered me it bothered uh, me i usually yeah. love all the comic book movies i'm so excited to see uh, uh the captain america movie i haven't seen it yet oh i just saw it Ooh, i saw it yesterday it? uh and it is incredible i want to go see wow. it incredible and now and now it makes all of those now it makes that last episode of uh agents of shield make so much more sense now mm-hmm. for me but you know that's a whole other different conversation. Yeah. Cool. That's about it. My mom was here. Awesome. We watched a movie. Hey, I, I want to point out, I also didn't boobs. like, I didn't also didn't like Thor of the Dark World. Thank you know what? I and mean, I felt like I was in a minority because I came out, I loved the first Thor, Kenneth Branagh's oh, Thor. So yes. Loved it so oh, much. I was so surprised at how much I liked it because oh, I'd never cared so about great. that character. And uh, the second, I mean, there were moments where it was fun. I mean, I liked the, the charisma I mean of the how characters. many times do you have to be like I'm not gonna listen to you dad and your dad's actually right yeah before it <laughs> I just I, before it, I just before it sets I, in you know what I actually I didn't have a Asgardian problem with Asgardian brain I didn't have a problem with Thor uh, The Dark World I didn't think it, I, it's certainly not n- nowhere it can't touch the original Thor um, but I didn't have as big a problem with it as, as uh, I guess you two guys did mm-hmm you know, because I'm 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 more than willing to forgive a lot of crap because comic books. Oh yeah. You know, trying trying to trying to apply any kind of logic to comic books is a exercise in futility. I understand that, but a lot of the rest of these Marvel movies have subscribed pretty well to oh sure to yeah, obeying yeah, yeah. to obeying the rules of the world that they've been set in, and I feel that the the possession of Loki sort of was just needlessly thrown in to make the story more interesting. I did air quotes when I said interesting. I just wanted the, uh, <laughs> the internet to know because they can't see me. I felt like the, the shift in, in your the pitch of your voice might have indicated that. I, yeah, I do that sometimes. I like, I like knowing that there's air quotes involved. Yeah, I just, I wanted to, I want to make this an interactive experience <laughs> so people can envision me making air quotes. That's what I do. Uh, so, yeah, but you know, if, if, if you haven't seen Cap, uh, two, go see Cap Two. It is oh, Amazeballs. There, Yay. I said it. Amazeballs. Pitchman for the studio now? No, I'm just saying it's a really good movie. That's all. Mm. All right, I'm just saying maybe don't cut a goat's dick off. Wait, what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, the Government Weather Bureau has requested the large observatories of the country to keep an astronomical watch on any further disturbances occurring on the planet Mars. Due to the unusual nature of this occurrence, we have arranged an interview 
with noted astronomer Professor Pearson, who will give us her views on the event. In a few moments, we will take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, New Jersey. In the meantime, we return you to the epic podcast already in progress. And that's why you should never smack a grandparent. And what? I don't want to talk about this oh anymore. Can my we just Fine. move on, please? I, how did we even get there? I don't know. I, look, I, you, look, you made your point. Yes. You made I mean, it. There are obvious reasons why you shouldn't slap a grandparent. But I, I am not you know talking about this anymore, Chuck. We're moving on. Lugo. What? I'm really upset. Okay. <laughs> What have you done this uh, past month that didn't involve the Nerdlesque Festival? Nothing. Yeah, but you had to have read something. Look, you post a... Did you consume things? You post the same, like, Instagram four-panel shot every Wednesday comics with, like, I comics, yes! I read them. Yeah, talk so, about the best uh, you've been, You've done Here's, something. Yeah, well, you've, tell you what. You've grown hair. Yeah. I now, I now have a, a wonderful beard. Yeah, I want to swim in it. You called it uh, lush last month. Now you're calling it wonderful. It's yeah, neither next, of those things. Next, next month it's going to be... Uh, An Oak Ridge Boy. Oh, I think you should be talking more about the, like... Column of hip, 90s hip hop hair you're starting to <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh, yeah. I need a haircut. Leave me alone. Dude, house party um, seven. I've, I've actually been reading a couple of new things uh, to talk about. Um, Aquaman. <gasps> yes. I have been reading Aquaman. Really? Yes. I... I would oh, like to. I would like to start by yes. saying I never thought I would say those words huh. out loud to anyone ever in the history. Because I am. I have never read Aquaman. Aquaman has never been a comic book I've ever. There's a couple of story arcs back in like the early '90s that I follow, like uh, Time and Tide, and the story arc where he lost his hand and became a hook. But Jeff Johns's run on Aquaman is fucking amazing. It's really, oh, really good. Um. And it really deals with a, with the whole duality of his life, like growing up on land, but also like being the king of Atlantis. And it's funny and poignant and and it's, and so it's wonderful. Yeah, Chuck's reading it. It's yeah. it's uh it's it's, it's really thrilling stuff. How far in is it? Um, it's know. like it's like thirty some odd issues. Uh, twenty nine. It's on a twenty ninth issue. I'm super far behind on it because first trade check. Um, but no I love how much he continues to save the day despite the fact everyone's like oh you talked to fish right it's like I don't talk to fish oh really that's like part of his yeah the thing is him getting shit about being Aquaman the shtick in it is he gets a lot of shit he gets trolled by everybody Everybody. (laughs) even after he saves them they're like but you're Aquaman yeah it's like thanks for the save are you thirsty need to drink water it's and then Amazing. he's like, oh. wow! Aquaman gets a huge thumbs up from me. I mm-hmm. I'm me really shocked to hear this from both of you. Yeah, but, but you're both kind of expressing that you're shocked to be saying it. Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked to be well, saying it. Well, I mean, I do love Aquaman, so I, oh, you yeah. do have an Aquaman costume. I <laughs> That's do true. have a giant girl crush on the King of Atlantis. Uh. He is actually mighty fine on he the ice. He threw a polar well. bear at some bad guys in one of his first issues. I'm going to just call it love and just end it there. Oh, there's this great uh, comic book called Starlight. Um, I, 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 are you a fan of the, are either of you fans of the old like uh, Flash Gordon uh, serials and the, the yeah, sure. whole? I watched half of the movie once. All right, oh, close enough. So I... basically, it's it's it's. Imagine that storyline. Imagine like a hero gets transported from Earth to this alien world and does all of these amazing adventures, saves the planet, 
and he goes back to Earth to marry his the love of his life. Aww. No one believes him. And so the entirety of his life is spent in this ridicule of the entire planet. And now he's an old man. The people of that planet are in trouble and they need his help again. That's this story. Ooh. Wow. It is incredible. It's only two issues in and I'm wow. already thirsty for uh, more. Who's, uh, who's publishing it? it? Um, let me check. Oh, uh, he's so handsome. <laughs> Uh, Image. Image of, Comics. Of course. Of course it's Image. Because, because it's Mark Miller and Gordon Parlov. Uh, it's called Starlight. They're oh. just killing it. Uh, and it that. is only two issues in, and it is so funny. And I am so excited to to read more because it's a, it's a brand new take on that kind of hmm. very well-treaded trope. Uh, and I am digging the fuck out of it. So those are two picks uh, that uh, I would highly recommend. Well, I am definitely going to read both of them because secrets. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's right. I gave, I, gave, uh, I gave Chuck Stunning access to my comiXology. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, so now she can read everything yeah. that I've purchased up to this point. I made him cookies and then left them at home. That's okay. They're, they're, they're delicious cookies in my imagination. They are really delicious. They're peanut um, butter. Can we talk about Batman... Eternal for just a second? Sure. Have you read it? Yeah. I'm a little confused. Okay. I don't really know what's going on in this storyline. Is this is this storyline part of the regular continuity? Uh for those of you who don't know, uh Batman is celebrating his seventy five years of being uh, uh uh since since his creation. Oh, right? congratulations. This Batman. is this is his seventy fifth mm-hmm. year. You're old but and... so sexy. <laughs> True. Uh, and so DC is doing a bunch of different things to celebrate 75 years of Batman. Mm-hmm. One of which is the launch of this title called Batman Eternal. A weekly series. A weekly. Not a monthly. Oh. A weekly. I did not know that. And I'm not certain about this, but it may have a set end date. It might not be an ongoing series. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, there's a lot that happens in this book and I don't. Really, well, we're not supposed to, to know. It's very alienating. It's like the first words in the story are the end, right? Yes, it's it starts it starts with what would one assume is the final panel of the series, right? Uh, I don't know. Big stuff is happening. That whole that you know that very cryptic image that was released at Thanksgiving, the Batman yeah. Thanksgiving picture, yeah, 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 image, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that people have scrutinized for details is somehow the, tied the, the, to this the, 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 the very ominous Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. yes. Um. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I liked it. I'm excited. I'm glad. It's I weekly. like it. I'm just very confused by it. I don't really know what the hell's going on just yet. I find it very welcome because I'm already sick of the Riddler in the Batman story. Yeah, in, in Zero Year, already, yeah. already tired of the, that Riddler story. Yeah, I want. I, I kind of wanted more Red Hood. I don't. You know, you're the only person that ever said that. <laughs> People in DC also seem to think in the new Batman books, they seem to think that like, you know what the public wants? More Man Bat. That's what they want. More Kirk Langstrom. Because like every Bat title has had that fucker show up now. Yeah. And of course, Talia had the whole army of them in Batman Inc. Well, yeah, because, you know, they played a big they played a big role. I in... know, but they're just why do why who at DC is deciding that we know. want Man Bat they're, and they're the forcing Riddler. Man Bat. Uh, Give but, me some more Professor Pig. I'm excited. He's in Batman Eternal. That guy's a creep. Yeah. Those Batman and Robin books from the old continuity, yeah, the Grant yeah, Morrison yeah. ones. Oh, what, is that? what an awesome sex criminal. Here's... <laughs> I see what you did there. What? Batman Eternal, number one on newsstands now. 
<laughs> also probably number two. Right. <laughs> it is a weekly series. It is a weekly all. series. Hey, Schaefer. What? Schaefer. Wait, why? Schaefer. Why? What? Why Schaefer! How? Jesus. Schaefer. Yes. Hail Hydra. What? Ladies and gentlemen, we are now ready to take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Rachel Pearson, famous astronomer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips, speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton. The ticking sound you hear is the vibration of the clockwork. Besides her ceaseless watch of the heavens, Professor Pearson may be interrupted by telephone or other communications. During this period, she is in constant touch with the astronomical centers of the world. Professor, may I begin our questions? At any time, Mr. Phillips. Professor, would you please tell our podcast audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Nothing unusual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. A red disk swimming in a blue sea. Transverse stripes across the disk. Quite distinct now because Mars happens to be at the point nearest the Earth. In opposition, as we call it. In your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pearson? Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Although that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar of the planet. Then you're quite convinced, as a scientist, that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? I'd say the chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for those gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Mr. Phillips, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. <laughs> well, that seems a safe enough distance. Thank you. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Someone has just handed Professor Pearson a message. One moment, please. Professor Pearson has passed me a message, which she has just received. Professor, may I read the message to the listening audience? Certainly, Mr. Phillips. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall read you the wire addressed to Professor Pearson from Dr. Gray of the National History Museum, New York. 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Seismographic registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring within a radius of 20 miles of Princeton. Please investigate. Signed, Lloyd Gray, Chief of Astronomical Division. Professor Pearson, could this occurrence possibly have something to do with the disturbances observed on the planet Mars? Hardly, Mr. Phillips. This is probably a meteorite of unusual size, and its arrival at this particular time is merely coincidence. However, we shall conduct a search as soon as daylight permits. Thank you, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past ten minutes, we've been speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, noted astronomer. This is Carl Phillips speaking. We're returning you now to the Epic Piecast. Like I'm in a public bathroom trying to have a number three into a oh, box of Cobras. God damn it. <laughs> Wait, what? It's look, it's been a weird year. <laughs> oh, dear. I think oh. I just quit this podcast. No, that's no, 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 because no. you're in charge now. You're now in charge. Yeah. You're now Nelson Lugo. Internet, <laughs> they duct tape me to this chair. I'm not going anywhere. She has to be duct taped to the chair. I'm into it. Okay, Leave consent. Me alone. It's a beautiful thing. The show did get weird. Got real dark. <laughs> so, Schaefer, what the hell have you been Besides up to? Besides the Cobra thing, let's just pretend. Let's retcon that story never happened. No, no, no. We're, we're coming back I to got the pictures. Cobra. 
god. Yeah. I have done a little traveling and I've played some shows, but mostly I'm reading comic books and being an asshole. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, surprise, but surprise. flying a bunch for shows uh-huh. uh, gives me more time to read comic books. Like I went, I go to the comic book store oh, now right, and I feel like I'm buying graphic you novels. Always get, you always get a bunch of trades that yeah. before you travel. Yeah. And I feel like I'm buying them by the weight now. <laughs> I bought about five pounds of books. Oh dear. What'd yeah. you, what'd you pick up? What is it? The strange talent of Luther Strode. Oh, it's an image book. Yeah, good. Young man sends away for basically a Charles Atlas ad in the back of a of a comic book. Gets insane superhuman powers, and it's an incredibly violent, bloody book. You know, Tony Baldini uh, was talking about that. Tony Baldini of uh, Nerdy Show fame uh, was telling me about that. Uh, so I, I may have to pick it up. It's good. I read the new Chew. Good. I read the new East of West, second East of West trade. Good. I, are oh, you liking that still? I loved it. Uh, I had to read it. I read it very slowly and deliberately. Yeah. I kept going back to make sure I wasn't getting alienated like I have been in Pretty Deadly. Yeah. Uh, they're both Westerns. That's the only correlation. Uh, right. I finally read that first trade of sex that you that we'd been talking about. Yeah. And I wish you told me. I would have told you to stay away. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen all of the individual issues briefly, issues briefly yeah. in comic shops yeah. because it's a book that has the word sex on it in big right, letters. Right, and that, and so that is relevant since to it's all been, your interests. Since it's been coming out, I always pick it up and flip through and yeah. look for the sex pictures and haven't really you know, figured out much of the rest of the story. But the rest of it, it's... It's, you know what, like... It's a retired superhero, and now he's trying to have a normal life, and his days as a superhero told in flashback. It's like a, a story that's been done a million times since and not quite as good as Watchmen. Right. Um, but there's lots of fucking in it, but that's just not yeah. enough to get me the to... The first... Get, you know what, the first two uh um books really captured my attention because i thought it was going to go somewhere yeah and then by the third book it's very clear it's not going anywhere the old man is a villain is a creepy yeah that's i mean i like i I like the old man but as as a whole as a story arc it just fell flat very fast look it's a book called (laughs) sex it's not very good i don't recommend it yeah well here's what i like the fuck out of what Hawkeye. Really? Matt Fraction's Are Hawkeye from Marvel. Are finally getting on the Hawkeye train? I love it so much. I love it it's so much. It's such a good series. It's so good. I just want to take a moment and let the internet know, because I like to make this interactive. Schaefer the Dark Lord is wearing a purple t-shirt, and it says Hawkeye on it. <laughs> yep. I ordered this t-shirt because I like the series so much, and I thought it was a funny joke, and it came in purple. Let me tell you why I like Hawkeye so much. Okay. I'll do it very briefly. Yes, please do. Hawkeye is, of course, a member of the Avengers, and this is a solo uh, series for him. Right. Uh, but he's he's told in a, in a kind of uh, – it's more about his personal life than him being an Avenger. It's more than, less about work. He's sure right. he's going on adventures yeah. and stuff, and he's got his, his protege, It's, it's, about, it's Katie about his Bishop time when, when he's off the clock, basically. Clint Barton. Yeah. Just so we're clear, he is, he lives alone in New York City. Yeah. Oh, I see where this is going already. (laughs) He has these constant existential crises that he's not taken seriously by his peers or his public. Right. Uh, His love life is an endless mess. Sure. And also he's a blonde guy and wears a lot of purple. So you identify with this book. Um, It's really good. It's really good. Although I will say the last... The last couple of uh, issues with... Um, the bad guys all wear Adidas. <laughs> yeah, they do, bro. They wrote it for me. Bro. 
Tracksuit um, Draculas are the best team of bad guys in a comic book ever. They're just a bunch of dumb Middle mobster, mobster thugs who yeah. say bro all the time, and they're so awesome. <laughs> the, I will say that I haven't, I have not enjoyed the, the last couple of issues because I think the, the last couple of issues are dealing with um, the, the the female Hawkeye. I forget her name, Katie uh, Bishop. Thank you, um, and her trials and tribulations on the. On the West Coast. Hey, no spoilers. I'm only reading trades. Fair enough. I'm just saying those those episodes are kind of falling flat for me. And I'm kind of hoping for it to pick up again. That's all I'm saying. I recommend it strongly. I Chuck, absolutely I, I, recommend I, it. I recommend it. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I, recommending have them, it. I have them on here, so just, go ahead and read them. Yeah, I will. Awesome. Guys, I have access to... Comicsology. Comicsology. I feel That's like only one issue left in Walking Dead's All Out War 12-issue arc. What's gonna happen? Big shit. People. Are no one die. cares because I'm the only person still reading it. So, <laughs> but boy, is it getting exciting! Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News, Toronto, Canada. Professor Morse of McGill University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now, nearer home, comes a special announcement from Trenton, New Jersey. A huge, flaming object believed to be a meteorite fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grove Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we will have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a word of description as soon as he can reach there from Princeton. In the meantime, we take you back to the epic piecast, already in progress. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, hold on. You gotta tell you gotta tell us about the thing you just dropped yeah. on the public. That's right, I forgot. It's been a long time. It's been this month. What are you talking about? I released some new music this month. I released two new songs. Uh both of which I and I'm not just saying that because I I love you and you're my best friend, um, are wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, they're don't, so it, don't good. Is by far my most favorite thing that you have done so far. Really? Yeah. Well, thank the podcaster on your right <laughs> because don't features appearances yes, from our co-host Charles Stunning. <gasps> I did. Do stuff on there. Yes, yes you, you did. did. You did I some did. singing and some talking. Did some Your lovely mellifluous voice is, oh, is. I have to admit that that was thrilling to be a part of a Shape of the Dark Lord song. Now, now you are part. Now you are part of a of a nice inner circle I know. of people I'm so excited. who have been featured voices on a Shape of the Dark Lord uh, song. Very pleased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Schaefer made me sound uh, so good. Like I actually don't sound that good, guys. Well, it was it was <laughs> it was part you. It was part me. And it was part Cecil Decker See, thank who you, Cecil. mixed the songs. Thank you, Cecil. I've not met you, but thank you. Thank you, Cecil. Uh, where can thank people you, find these awesome songs? At SchaeferTheDarkLord.BandCamp.com, of course. What? The songs are called, it's a single, it's a two-song single for a song called Rawr. And the B-side is Don't. And why don't we have, why don't we take a little break now? Oh, there we go. Since I'm plugging my wares. Let's fill our ear holes with your sick jams. Put them right in there. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Good morning, 
Professor Schaefer. Dean Rogers. Good morning. I didn't expect to run into you here. Well, I wanted to personally welcome you on your first day at our academy. Thank you. You have a lovely campus. Thank you. I trust you found your parking spot without too much trouble. I did. You look like you could use some coffee. I always look like this. Oh. Well, this is the building where you'll be teaching your courses, or rather, your one course. In which lecture hall? In the one right behind you. Ah, great. Feel free to contact me if you need anything. Will do. Oh, and Professor Schaefer. Yes? Have a great semester. Okay. And just review the syllabus I'm stressing that this lesson plan is hella tough And how? Don't keep office hours, don't accept extra credit Unlike your student loan, tell me you'll be forever indebted I don't grade on a curve You'll cop a pass or you won't And you'll ask, how do we drop this class? You don't Wanna make pretend like we are playing some game? Nope Don't do it, don't do it I ain't your friend What's the one hard and fast rule? Ha, you didn't raise your hand. Now get the fuck out my classroom. And pass through the student union looking so appalled. I don't tolerate impatient know-it-alls. And that's you. Everyone who fails the midterm exam is getting slapped. Don't watch your flesh redden under my hand. One of these days you'll realize that you deserve what you got. You forgot. There is no try or do. There is only do not. Wanna say hi when I'm outside? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On the street tour. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Asking me daily when my new tunes will be released. Fool. Don't rush me. Don't. Me to ask if you can open my show. Fuck. Don't go that route. Don't go that route. Everything I share, you comment. Come to Ohio. Uh, don't post that. Don't ever fucking post that. Fuck. I am so sick of that. <sighs> you know, I didn't used to be like this. Take your fire. 
straight defile you. Do things you'll find so vile you. We'll file through this violent school or I'll annihilate you fools. Only took this teaching gig to violate you. Exile you from my fandom and castle. You were dicks and I was a dick back and now I'm the asshole. One of these days I'll be less mad with hate. I will or I won't and you'll last. How do we graduate? Well, guess. Offer me a gig for exposure instead of money? Dude, don't Insulting, abhorrent, right? I don't care. I don't fucking care. Class dismissed. Get it? Because you were the class in that metaphor, and I was very dismissive. You understand? It doesn't matter. Get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you now to Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, at the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson and myself made the 11 miles from Princeton in 10 minutes. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. I guess that's it. Yes, I guess that's the... the thing, directly in front of me. Half buried in a vast pit. It must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered with splinters of a tree. It must have struck on its way down. What I can see of the object itself doesn't look very much like a meteor, at least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. It has a diameter of... What would you say, Professor Pearson? What's that? What would you say... What is the diameter? About 30 yards. About 30 yards. The metal on the sheath is... Well, I've never seen anything like it. Curious spectators now are pressing close to the object in spite of the efforts of the police to keep them back. While the policemen are pushing the crowd back, here's Mr. Wilmoth. Mr. Wilmoth, would you please tell the radio audience as much as you remember of this rather unusual visitor that dropped in your backyard? Well, you know, I was, uh, I was listening to the radio. Uh, closer and louder, please. Uh, uh, pardon me? Louder, please, and closer. Ah, uh, y- yes, sir. Uh, well, uh, you know, I was listening to the radio, and uh, I was kind of drowsing, you know, and that uh, professor fellow was uh, talking about Mars, so, you know, I was half dozing off. And yes, yes, Mr. Asleep. Wilmoth, and then what happened? Yeah, oh, yeah, well, you know, like I was saying, I was uh, listening to the radio kind of halfways, you know? Yes, Mr. Wilmoth, and then you saw something? Well, not, uh, not first off, no, no, I, you know, I heard something. And what did you hear? It was like a, a hissing sound, you know, like this, like... You know, kind of like, uh, you know, like a Fourth of July rocket. You know. Then what? Oh well, you know, I turned my head out the window, and uh, I would have sworn, uh, you know, I was uh, sleeping, dreaming. Yes. Well, I kind of seen this greenish streak, and then zingo! Something smacked on the ground, knocked me clear out of my chair. Well, were you frightened, Mr. Wilmot? Well, sure. You know, I, I ain't quite sure. You know, I reckon, you know, I was kind of. I was kind of riled, you know. Thank you, Mr. Wilmer. Thank you. Hey, you, you. You want me to tell you some more news? No, that's uh, quite all right. That's plenty. Yeah, all right. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked in a field in back of us. Police are trying to rope off the roadway leading to the farm. But it's no use. They're breaking right through. Some of the more daring souls are now venturing near the edge. Their silhouettes stand out against the metal sheen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned in all of the excitement. Now it's becoming more distinct. Perhaps you've caught it already on your radio. Listen. Do you hear it? It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. Can you hear it now? 
Oh, Professor Pearson. Yes, Mr. Phillips? Can you tell us the meaning of that scraping noise inside the thing? Possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I see. Do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? I don't know what to think. The metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Not found on this Earth. Friction from the Earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and, as you can see, of cylindrical shape. Just a minute. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw. The thing must be hollow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Something's crawling out of the hollow top. Someone or something. I, I can see peering out of that black hole two luminous disks. Are they eyes? It might be a face. It might be... Good heavens, something's wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one. And another. They look like tentacles to me. There, I can see the thing's body. It's large. Large as a bear's. And it glistens like wet leather. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. The eyes are black and gleam like a serpent. The mouth is V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips that seem to quiver and pulsate. The monster, whatever it is, can hardly move. It seems weighed down by possibly gravity or something. The thing's raising up. This is the most extraordinary experience. I can't find words. I'll pull this microphone with me as I talk. I'll have to stop the description until I can take a new position. Hold on. Will you please... I'll be right back in a moment. We are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. We now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, am I on? Am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, here I am. Back of a stone wall that adjoins Mr. Wilmoth's garden. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit, about 30 of them. The captain is conferring with someone. Oh yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. The professor moves around one side, studying the object, while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. You can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole, a flag of truce. If these creatures know what that means, what anything means... Wait, something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror, and it leaps at the advancing men and strikes them head on. Good Lord, they're turning into flame! Now the whole field's caught fire. The woods, the barns, the gas tanks, and automobiles. It's spreading everywhere. It's coming this way about 20 yards to my right. Oh, dear. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Uh, Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. We now continue with the Epic Piecast. Did we get some email this month? Yeah. Dude, emails! And by emails, I mean one email. And not from Seymour Joe. Oh. Seymour uh, Joe. Uh, so th- I, I, I feel this podcast is kind of incomplete without her presence. But here it is, But I think we've all said the name Seymour Joe now at least once. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, then uh, I feel, then we can feel her presence here. <laughs> Go on. Uh, this this email universe. is from uh, Coyote26. Um, and it's titled Random Kudos. Just wanted to thank you guys again for taking time out of your schedule to make the podcast. Uh, I also like to welcome Charles Stunning to the team. Aww. And note that I appreciate her work as well. Aww. And 
see Muldrow as at this point, I can't really envision a contest without her. Oh, oh my gosh. You guys brightened my iPod and have accompanied me on long runs and drives. Thanks for sharing your stories, interviews, and assorted hijinks with us. And I hope that the Epic Podcast remains a nerdy show fixture long into the future. Best wishes and sexy pictures. <laughs> Coyote26. Thank, Thank you, you Coyote26. Coyote That's very sweet. Aww, I know, right? My heart. <laughs> I like that we got... We got fan mail yeah. that still gave a shout out yeah. to see to see Oh, man. Well, thank uh, you so much, Coyote26. Thank you. Uh, I, I, yeah. I cannot say that we are going to continue taking time out of our busy schedules to make this show. This is my last episode. No, it's not. And yours, too, because no, I'm putting this thing to bed. No, you're Because I'm shooting all three of us tonight. Yeah. I bought a gun and three bullets, and we're going to go out in a blaze it, of glory. It probably just Su- took you that long Su- to get a paperwork pack. filled to get a gun in New York. So yeah. I'm not surprised that it took, uh, what, All right, months? well, can I, can, no, you can't kill me. I have things to do in May. Okay, then we'll keep doing this. Yay! Thank you, Schaefer, for allowing us to live one month longer. You know what? You guys earned it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been handed a message that came in from Grover's Mill by telephone. At least 40 people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field of the village of Grover's Mill. Their bodies burned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you will hear will be that of Brigadier General Montgomery Smith, commander of the state militia at Trenton, New Jersey. I have been requested by the governor of New Jersey to place the counties of Mercer and Middlesex as far west as Princeton, east to Jamesburg under martial law. Four companies of state militia are proceeding from Trenton to Grover's Mill and will aid in the evacuation of homes within the range of military operations. Thank you. You have just been listening to General Montgomery Smith commanding the state militia at Trenton. In the meantime, further details of the catastrophe at Grover's Mill are coming in. The strange creatures, after unleashing their deadly assault, crawled back into their pit and made no attempt to prevent the efforts of the firemen to recover the bodies and extinguish the fire. We have been unable to establish any contact with our mobile unit at Grover's Mill, but we hope to be able to return you there at the earliest possible moment. In the meantime, we take you to... Just just one moment, please. Wait. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I have just been informed that we have finally established communication with an eyewitness of the tragedy. Professor Pearson has been located at the farmhouse near Grover's Mill, an emergency observatory post. As a scientist, she will give you her explanation of the calamity. The next voice you will hear will be that of Professor Pearson, brought to you by Direct Wire. Professor Pearson! Of the creatures in the rocket cylinder at Grover's Mill, I can give you no authoritative information. Of their destructive instrument, I might venture some conjectural explanation. For want of a better term, I shall refer to the mysterious weapon as a heat ray. It is my guess that in some way they are able to generate an intense heat in a chamber of practically absolute non-conductivity. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any other object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition. 
That is my conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a bulletin from Trenton. It is a brief statement informing us that the charred body of Carl Phillips has been identified in a Trenton hospital. And here's a bulletin from State Police, Princeton Junction. The fires at Grover's Mill and vicinity are now under control. Scouts report all quiet in the pit and no sign of life appearing from the mouth of the cylinder. We take you now to the field headquarters of the state militia near Grover's Mill, New Jersey. This is Captain Lansing of the Signal Corps, attached to the state militia now engaged in military operations in the vicinity of Grover's Mill. Situation arising from the reported presence of certain individuals of unidentified nature is now under complete control. All cause for alarm, if such cause ever existed, is now entirely unjustified. The things, whatever they are, do not even venture to poke their heads above the pit. With all their reported resources, these creatures can scarcely stand up against heavy machine gun fire. Wait a minute. I see something on top of the cylinder. It's something moving. Solid metal. Kind of shield-like affair rising up out of the cylinder. It's going higher and higher. Why, it's standing on legs. Actually rearing up on a sort of metal framework. Now it's reaching above the trees and the searchlights are on it. Hold on! Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange things who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. The battle which took place tonight at Grover's Mill has ended in one of the most startling defeats ever suffered by any army in modern times. Several thousand men armed with rifles and machine guns pitted against a single fighting machine of the invaders from Mars. One hundred and twenty known survivors. The monster is now in control of the middle section of New Jersey and and has effectively cut the state through its center. At this time, martial law prevails throughout New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania. We take you now to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of Interior. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its people. However, I wish to impress upon you the urgent need of calm and resourceful action. Fortunately, this formidable enemy is still confined to a comparatively small area, and we may place our faith in the military forces to keep them there. We must continue the performance of our duties so that we may confront this destructive adversary with a nation united, courageous, and consecrated to the preservation of human supremacy on this earth. I thank you. You have just heard the Secretary of the Interior speaking from Washington. We are informed the central portion of New Jersey is blacked out from radio communication due to the effect of the heat ray upon power lines and electrical equipment. Attempts made to locate Professor Pearson of Princeton, who has observed Martians at close range, it is feared she was lost in recent battle. 
Langham Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report three Martian machines visibly above the treetops. Heat ray not in use. They seem to be making a conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. However, they stop to uproot power lines, bridges, and railroad tracks. Their apparent objective is to crush resistance, paralyze communication, and disorganize human society. Here's a bulletin from Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Raccoon hunters have stumbled on a second cylinder similar to the first embedded in the Great Swamp 20 miles south of Morristown. Another bulletin from Langham Field, Virginia. Scouting planes report enemy machines, now three in number, increasing speed northward and kicking over houses and trees in their evident haste to form a conjunction with their allies. Ladies and gentlemen, we have run special wires to the artillery line in adjacent villages to give you direct reports in the zone of the advancing enemy. First, we take you to the battery of the 22nd Field Artillery located in Watchung Mountains. Range, 32 meters. 32 meters. Projection, 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire! 140 yards to the right, sir. Shift range, 31 meters. 31 meters. Projection, 37 degrees. 37 degrees. Fire! A hit, sir. We got tripod of one of them. They've stopped. Others are trying to repair it. Quick, get the range. Shift, 30 meters. 30 meters. Projection, 27 degrees. 27 degrees. Fire! Can't see the shell land, sir. They're letting off a smoke. What is it? A black smoke, sir. Moving this way. Lying close to the ground. It's moving fast. Put on gas masks. Get ready to fire. Shift 24 meters. 24 meters. Projection 24 degrees. 24 degrees. Fire! Still can't see, sir. The smoke's coming nearer. Get the range. 23 meters. 23 meters. 23 meters. (coughs) Projection 22 degrees. (coughs) 22 degrees. (coughs) (coughs) Lieutenant Voigt, reporting to Commander Fairfax, Langham Field. Enemy tripod machines now in sight. Six altogether, one machine already crippled. No sign of heat ray. Evident objective is New York City. The machines are close together now, and we're ready to attack. A thousand yards, and we'll be first over. Eight thousand yards. Six hundred. Four hundred. Two hundred. There they go. The giant arm raised. Green flash. They're spraying us with flame. Two thousand feet. Engines are given out. No chance to release bombs. Only one thing left. Drop on them. Plane and all. We're diving on the first one. Now the engine's gone. Eight. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking from the roof of the broadcasting building, New York City. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city as the Martians approach. All communications with Jersey Shaw closed ten minutes ago. No more defenses. Our army wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the very end. People are holding a service below us in in, in the cathedral. Streets are all jammed. Noise in crowds like New Year's Eve in in the city. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Enemy now in sight above the palisades. Five. Five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I I can see it from here, wading the Hudson like a man wading through a brook. 
uh, uh, a bulletin's just been handed to me. Uh, Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. Seem to be timed and spaced. Now, now the first machine reaches the shore. He, he stands watching, looking over the city. His steel, cowlish head is even with the skyscrapers. He waits for the others. They rise like a line of new towers uh, on the city's west side. Now they're lifting their metal hands. This is the end now. Smoke comes out. Black smoke drifting over the city. The people in the streets see it now. They're, they're running towards the East River. Thousands of them dropping in like rats. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They're falling like flies. Now, now the smoke's crossing 6th Avenue, 5th Avenue, 100 yards away. It's 50 feet! So what, what shows do you want to plug, uh, Ms. Dunning? Uh, well, on April 29th, which is a Tuesday, Afterbirth Monkey will be playing a show called Bitchcraft. It's at Duplex, and I think it starts at 7. <laughs> I think? I think. I'm Wait, not sure. Wait, is Bitchcraft, is that associated with, like, the knitting circle? Like, that like that hardcore, like, punk knitting circle? No. It's oh, okay. this comedian who plays piano. She's really ah, cool. We've okay. done her show before. Um, but yeah, so just go to Duplex on Tuesday and just hang out all day and we'll show up eventually. Word. Cool. Um, for, <laughs> for my brethren and sistren in Washington, D.C., you can catch me as part of the Sin Factory's Burlex Men. It's going to be at the Beer Baron. It's going to be a double feature. Um, so we're doing the show at 9 and then again at 11. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not sure on those times. Just go to the Beer Baron in Washington, D.C., hang out all day, and I will be there eventually. And that is on Saturday, the 3rd of May. Um, let me just look at the rest you of my have a, You have an actual paper calendar. Ooh, I do. You, you can hear some. the paper. Yeah. On Sunday, May 25th, Afterbirth Monkey will be playing once again at Kitty Nights oh. at Mug Lounge. Oh. Uh, at 9 p.m. And that is all I've got so far. But, you know, follow my website. Word. My Twitter. What do you got, Shapes? Shapeses? Uh, hey, yo, Shapeses. On Friday, April 25th, tomorrow, <laughs> I'll perform a song in The Return of Dead Sexy at Times Square in Times Square, New York City. Oh, wow, that show's back. Yep. From the um, dead. How appropriate. Reanimated. Yeah. On Sunday, April 27th, I will host Kitty Nights Burlesque at M. White Bar. It used to be Mug Lounge. Yeah. I'll be hosting Kitty Nights Burlesque at M. White Bar in New York City. On Thursday, May 15th, I'll perform a song or two in Homo Erectus, Matt Knife's show at Stonewall. Woo! Yeah, that's yep. right. And that's it. Awesome sauce. Um, what about you, Lugs? I have on May 24th. The New York premiere of Gathering the Magic. Dun, 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 dun. It's going to be, um, I believe, either 7 or 8 o'clock. I, haven't, I don't know the exact time, but it's May 24th, Saturday, May 24th at the Tank Theater. Um, I am going to be inundating all of my social media with every single day talking about this. So if uh, you are within earshot or eyeshot of some kind of uh, 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 
website that where where people can post things about their lives, you'll be hearing about my my crappy show. Um, so, I'm also going to help with my social media because I have nothing better to do. Oh, thank you, Chuck. You're welcome, uh, So please come on out and support uh, this labor of love that I've been creating for the past year of my life. Yeah, okay. We're going to go and we're going to field you report it, dude. fucking... I mean, yeah, okay. I think I just confirmed that I'm going to your show. You said, come on out and come to the show. And I said, yeah, okay. No, that's not what you said. It, well, it's what he said, but that's not what he meant. I'm definitely going to the show. What, are you kidding me? Um, other than that, I was also born in the month of May. Uh, so um, on May 10th, if you want to buy me something nice, let me know and I will I will send you my Amazon wish list uh, link. I'm going to buy you some sparkly. Please buy Nelson Lugo all the sparkly presents on May 10th. <laughs> all of them. As I set down these notes on paper, I am obsessed by the thought that I may be the last living human on Earth. I have been hiding in this empty house near Grover's Mill. All that happened before the arrival of these monstrous creatures in the world now seems part of another life. I look down at my blackened hands, my torn shoes, my tattered clothes, and I try to connect with the professor who lives at Princeton, who glimpsed through a telescope an orange flash of light on a distant planet. My colleagues, my students, my books, my observatory, my... my world. Where are they? Did they ever exist? Am I Rachel Pearson? I keep watch at the window. From time to time I catch sight of a Martian above the black smoke. I watch in a corner as his huge metal legs nearly brush against the house. Exhausted by terror, I fall asleep. It's morning. Morning. Sun streams through the window. I venture from the house. I make my way to a road. No traffic. Here and there, a wrecked car, baggage overturned. A blackened skeleton. I push on north. For some reason, I feel safer trailing these monsters than running away from them. And I keep a careful watch. I have seen the Martians. Feed. I must keep alive. Two days I wander in a vague, northerly direction through a desolate world. Finally, I notice a living creature. A small red squirrel in a beech tree. I stare at him in wonder. He stares back at me. I believe at that moment the animal and I shared the same emotion. I believe at that moment the animal and I shared the same emotion. The joy of finding another living being. I push on north. Next day, I came to a city vaguely familiar in its contours, yet its buildings strangely dwarfed and leveled off as if a giant hand sliced off its highest towers with a capricious sweep of his hand. I found Newark, undemolished, but humbled by some whim of the advancing Martians. Presently, with an odd feeling of being watched, I caught sight of something crouching in a doorway. I made a step towards it, and it rose up and became a man. A man armed with a large knife. All right, stop. Where did you come from? I come from many places. A long time ago from Princeton. Princeton, huh? That's near Grover's Mill. Yes. Grover's Mill. (laughs) There's no food here. This is my country. 
all this end of town down to the river, there's only food for one. Which way are you going? I don't know. I guess I'm looking for, for people. Have you seen any Martians? Nah. They've gone over to New York. At night, the skyline is alive with their lights. By daylight, you can't see them. Uh, five days ago, a couple of them carried something big across the flats from the airport. I believe they're learning how to fly. Fly? Yeah, fly. <laughs> then it's all over with humanity. Stranger, there's still you and I. Two of us left. Those green stars, they're probably falling somewhere every night. You know, they've only lost one machine. <laughs> We're done. We're licked. Where were you? You're in a uniform. Yeah, well, you know, what's left of it. I was in the militia, National Guard. That's good. <laughs> Wasn't any war more than there's a war between men and ants. And we're eatable ants. I found that out. What will they do with us? I thought it all out. You see, right now we're caught as we're wanted. You know, the, the Martian only, only has to go a few miles to get a crowd on the run. But they won't keep doing that. No, no, no. No, they'll, they'll begin catching us. Systematic like keeping the best and storing us in cages and things. They haven't even begun on us yet. Not begun? Not begun! All that's happened so far is because we don't have sense enough to keep quiet. Bothering them with guns and such stuff. Now, instead of our rushing around blind, we gotta fix ourselves up. Fix ourselves up according to the way things are now. Cities, nations, civilization, progress. Done. But if that's so, what is there to live for? Well, I mean, there won't be any more concerts for a million years or so. <laughs> and no little dinners at restaurants. I mean, if it's amusement you're after, I guess the game is up. <laughs> and what is there left? Life. That's what. I want to live. And yeah, and so do you. You know, we're, we're not we're not going to be uh, uh, all exterminated. And I don't mean to be caught either. And tamed and fattened and bread like an ox. What are you going to do? I'm going on. Right under their feet. I got a plan. See, we, we men, as men, are finished. We don't know enough. We got to learn plenty before we got a chance, and we've got to live and keep free while we learn, see? I thought it all out, see? Tell me the rest. Well, it isn't for all of us that we're made for wild beasts, and that's what we got to be. That's why I watch you. All these little office workers that used to live in these houses, they'd be no good. They haven't got any stuff to them. The, the Martians will be a godsend for those guys. Nice room at cages, good food, careful breeding, no worries. After a week or so chasing around the fields on empty stomachs, they'll come and be glad to be caught. You've thought it all out, haven't you? You bet I have. And that isn't all. These Martians will make pets of some of them. Training them to do tricks. Who knows? Get sentimental over the pet boy who grew up and had to be killed. And some, maybe, they'll train to hunt us. No, that's impossible. No human yes, being Yes, they will. There's men who'll do it gladly. If one of them ever comes after me, why... In the meantime, you and I and others like us... Where are we to live when the Martians own the Earth? 
Well, I've got it all figured out. We'll live underground. There's cellars, vaults, underground storerooms, railway tunnels, subways. You begin to see, huh? We'll get a bunch of strong men together. No weak ones. That rubbish out. And you meant me to go? Well, I gave you a chance, didn't I? We won't quarrel about that. Go on. And we've got to make safe places for us to stay in, see? We get all the books we can, science books. And that's where men like you come in, see? We'll raid the museums. We'll even spy on the Martians. It may not be so much we have to learn before. Just just imagine this. You know, four or five of their own fight machines suddenly start off. Heat rays right and left. Not a Martian in them. But men. Men who have learned the way how. May even be in our time. Gee, <laughs> imagine having one of them lovely things with its heat ray wide and free. We turn it on the Martians. We turn it on men. We'd we'd bring everybody down to their knees. That's your plan. You and me, and a few more of us. We we find down on the road. I see. Uh, uh, what's the matter? Where are you going? Not your world. Goodbye, stranger. After parting with the artillerymen, I came at last to the Holland Tunnel. I entered that silent tube, anxious to know the fate of the great city on the other side of the Hudson. Cautiously, I came out of the tunnel and made my way up Canal Street. I reached 14th Street. And there again were black powder and several bodies, and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the cellars of some of the houses. I wandered up the thirties and forties. I stood alone on Times Square. I walked up Broadway in the direction of that strange powder. Near Columbus Circle, I noticed models of 2014 motor cars in the showrooms facing empty streets. Suddenly, I caught sight of the hood of a Martian machine standing somewhere in Central Park. I rushed recklessly across Columbus Circle into the park and climbed a small hill. From there I could see, standing in a silent row along the mall, nineteen of those great metal titans, their cowls empty, their great steel arms hanging listlessly by their sides. I looked in vain for the monsters that inhabit those machines. Suddenly my eyes were attracted to an immense flock of black birds that hovered directly below me. They circled on the ground, and there before my eyes, stark and silent, lay the Martians with the hungry birds pecking and tearing brown shreds of flesh from their dead bodies. Later, when their bodies were examined in the laboratories, it was found that they were killed by the putrefactive and disease bacteria which their systems were unprepared. Slain after all man's defenses and failed by the humblest thing that God in his wisdom put upon this earth. Before the cylinder fell, there was a general persuasion that through all the deep space no life existed beyond the petty surface of one minute sphere. Now we see further. Strange it now seems to sit in my peaceful study at Princeton, writing down this last chapter of the record begun at the deserted farm in Grover's Mill. Strange to see from my window the university spires dim and blue through an April haze. 
Strange to watch children playing in the streets. Strange to see young people strolling on the green where the new spring grass heals the last black scars of a bruised earth. Strange to watch the sightseers into the museum where the disassembled parts of a Martian machine are kept on public view. Strange when I recall the time when I first saw it. Bright and clean-cut, hard and silent, under the dawn of that last great day. This is Mark Robert Turner, ladies and gentlemen. Out of character, to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. Studio 6C's own podcast version of dressing up in a shroud and walking out of a tomb and saying, Boo. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the EPC. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. If your doorbell rings and there's nobody there, that was no Martian. It's Easter. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight the Nerdy Show Podcast Network and its affiliated channel, the EPC, have brought you The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, featuring Nelson Lugo, Jay for the Dark Lord, Charles Stunning, Mark Robert Turner, and Studio 6C on the air. Next month, we return to a program of three assholes talking about comic books. This is the Epic Piecast. I think that's it. Uh, I think I think this one's in the can. I'm like good. Say. I think we nailed it. But I have a strange sense that things outside are not what they were when we started. Oh, it's going to be fine. It's not like it's the end of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Epic Piecast, episode 20. I have been your host, Nelson Lugo. I have been your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. And I have been your other, other host, Charles Stunning. Be safe, internets. Did you know that jungle cats are attracted to the scent obsession for men by Calvin Klein? Bye. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Epic Piecast. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. More episodes of the Epic Piecast, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 